you've been through From the bloody cross on top of Calvary To the beach of Malibu Everybody knows it's coming apart Take one last look at this sacred heart Before it blows And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. This is going to be Random random Thoughts number 14. Today's topic is going to be, and I know it's a day late, your vote doesn't count. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service God. Service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. In keeping with my last few episodes, today's topic is not just going to be directed... Well, it's going to be directed directly at my co-religionists, but it's also applicable to those people who are secular. Um, In particular, it's going to be, for the seculars, it's going to be people directed at people who consider themselves based and red-pilled. Oh, and right-wing. Obviously, based, red-pilled, right-wing. So, but before I get into the topic, um, I want to give a a very brief uh, this um, explanation. I don't normally do response videos. I stated in my podcast introduction introductions, I should say, because there's five of them, on the St. Longinus' Baptism podcast that generally I find response videos to be cringe. I find response videos to be so 2017. However, in this case, 
be in in the case of my fellow uh co-religionists this is going to be as far as i'm concerned a very necessary topic to do and a very necessary response video so having said that i'm going to get into the topic now i'm going to start first with the secular people who consider themselves based in red-pilled right-wingers. Yesterday, and this goes to show how far removed I am from the politics of my country, and in case I have any new listeners, if you cannot tell, I'm from America, and yesterday was election day, quote-unquote. Um, I don't want to get in the deep in the weeds about my political um, stance because throughout my videos, my longtime listeners already know where I stand. For those of you who may be new, you may not know. I basically divorced my myself from America's politics back in 2020 when the election was stolen. I, as a matter of fact, I um, touched on it on one of my previous episodes. I believe the particular episode was my marathon episode that ran for an hour and 40 minutes. But those of you who may be new... I want to outline the reasons, if you're an American, why I think you're wasting your time involving yourself in in American political system. Given, and this is directed at the based and red-pilled uh, right-wingers out there, given the... Events that have unfolded during the uh, during the past five or six years. Let's just call a spade a spade. Uh, the Trump presidency, the former Trump presidency, we have seen blatant and utter evidence of the utter corruption of the American governmental system. Um, having wasted my time with the American governmental system, I have come to the conclusion that the American governmental system is a lost cause and it's not worth wasting your time over. I'm going to try to be as brief as I can, and honestly speaking, I've done enough material on American uh, society and culture that this should be relatively brief. Now, when I speak to my co-religionists, it may get a little more autistic. We'll see where it goes. Number one, for you uh, secular guys out there who consider yourself right-wing, based in red-pilled, the evidence in your face that should be evident if you have eyes to see should be that in 2020, they blatantly stole the election and that you're wasting your time. Now, what I mean by this is, is that 
there's video evidence. And like I said, I covered this in a previous episode that, number one, the protesters on January 6th were painted out to be uh, quote, quote, radicals who wanted to overthrow the government. And given the, the tenor of the narrative that's being put out nowadays, it should be quite evident to you guys that on, on all levels of government that there's going to come a time when you guys are going to be painted out to be political radicals who, um, that you're traitors to your country and that the government is going to have no choice but to arrest you and lock you away. I've covered in previous episodes. I'm not sure on this podcast. I know on my original podcast, St. Longinus' Baptism, I talked about how where I'm at, two families, um, two families at least, have been secretly arrested by the U.S. government for their participation in the January 6th protests. Now, um, some people are going to argue, well, that's on the federal level. And I'm familiar enough, at least as far as 2020, um, the year 2020, that there were some discussions on the uh, right-wing side of YouTube that were saying, yeah, the federal side of things is corrupt. However, on the local side of things, we can still, we can still take we can make our voices heard, for lack of a better term. I disagreed with it at the time. And here's the reason I disagreed with it. And by the way, just to make things absolutely crystal clear, um, the people who are making this argument were talking about when they say local, some of them were kind of, talking about on a state level, some of them were kind of talking about just in your town, your 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 city level. I disagreed with this for this particular reason. One of the right-wingers that I listened to when I was on YouTube is from California. For those of you who are politically aware, and by the way, this just isn't confined to um, California. Um, there are what is known as blue states. And having lived in a blue state at one time, I can tell you the state I was living in, which will rename unnamed, because in the future, um, it may come back, you know, It may come back to try to bite me in the butt, but the blue state where I'm at is every bit is equally corrupt as California. 
and it has been from the 1970s. For those of you who are new to my podcast, I am a Gen Xer of the older type, and I grew up in the 70s. Um, I did not, uh, I, I was uh, old enough to follow politics in the late 80s, early 90s. But just to use the example that seems to be prevalent amongst the uh, social media, um, talk on Twitter and Facebook, California is always the example that people use when they talk about corruption on a state level. And not just on a state level, but on a very, very local level, cities, counties, what have you. And one of the right-wingers that, I used to listen to is from California and he's a transplant to where I'm at right now. And he used to talk about very frequently about how the reason he moved from his area in California was, was that the state and local elections were corrupt And so when I hear right-wingers make the argument that, well, if we vote just on a city level and we get our guys in there, everything's going to be okay. Um, I'm not sure if I've talked about this, this particular aspect of the American electoral system. I'm afraid that if you, if you know, that California on a local level is corrupt. I want to ask you this question. What is the key? And I don't care if you live in a quote unquote red state. What is the keep you from thinking that politics on a city level is no more corrupt than it is on a federal level? Now, I know that a lot of people that live in red states. Oh no, not my town, not my town. We're 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 right wingers. We're we're based in Red Pill. There's no way that our local city or county is every bit as corrupt as it is on the federal level. Because let's be honest, people, uh 2020 proved that interested parties, at least as far as the American governmental system goes have shown their contempt for the average American, or what I call plebs, that they had video and audio evidence and have so for years. And when I say years, I'm not talking as far back as 2016. I'm talking about from way back, way back in the 90s. I remember when I used to be naively hopeful for our political system, that there were stories in quote-unquote conservative media, and I'm talking magazines, and uh, not just magazines, but uh, at that time, talk radio, because you got to remember back in the 90s, the interwebs was just starting out. There were stories about the corruption on the local level in California. 
So this thing has, and, and by the way, this this type of chicanery, um, if you're as old as I am, you will probably run across, if you're politically literate, about how there were complaints on the conservative side of things, quote-unquote, about the corruption of at least the federal government. So the question I want to ask you guys is, and I've already asked it, but it bears repeating. What, you know, because I, I very much sympathize and understand the argument from a right-wing perspective of, well, yeah, California is a corrupt cesspit, which it is, but my local town you know, I live in a red state. I live in a quote-unquote red state. Um, my system's not corrupt. The, the particular YouTuber in question that I used to listen to um, used to argue that... Um, and by the way, anyone who's politically literate knows that refugees from blue states, and this is a theme throughout right-wing um, political commentators on um, social media, was that, and by the way, it wasn't, it's not just confined to places like YouTube. Oh, uh, this kind of thing, I, I remember back in the early 2000s that there were uh, articles in, once again, quote-unquote uh, conservative uh, magazines about how refugees from blue states, New York, California, Massachusetts, um, pick your blue state, were moving into red states and corrupting them. So that kind of plays into my argument. If the blue staters are moving into red states and corrupting local localities or local red states with their screwed up political views, if they've already ruined the, the political, uh, if they've already ruined the, uh, their their own states and localities with their idiocy, what is to keep them from ruining local cities and states that are quote unquote red? And it's a very legitimate point. Okay? Uh, unless you live in like a very small town, these refugees, at least on a state level, are going to corrupt your red state. And if you live in a relatively small city, anywhere of 100,000 to 300,000, they're probably going to be corrupting those cities too. And the interested parties have, have already shown that on a federal and in certain cases on a state level that they 
they literally are shameless in the sense that they're going to do things publicly, publicly, that they're going to show their contempt because they think you are a bunch of gutless wonders who are going to sit by and sit with a thumb up your butt while they literally turn your locality into a mini version of a police state. Now, like the the podcaster that I kind of mentioned earlier from California, um, I am witness in my um I have moved from a red state in the upper Midwest, um, for what it's worth. I've witnessed it in my own way. One of the reasons, I don't know if I've gotten into this, that I moved from where I was at is I moved to a particular small city. And when I say small, I'm talking, or I'm sorry, it's not small. Um, the city where I moved from, um, for those of you who have been paying attention, know that back between 2018 and 2020, there were riots throughout every city in the U.S. by BLM and Antifa. And having witnessed it literally firsthand the riots in my own city, which was based in a red state, I came to the realization due to my own knowledge of history, that these people ain't playing around and they're not going to stop until... Now, try to follow me here. Um, They're not going to stop until America is literally a police state. Now, for those of you who consider yourselves... Uh, right wing, you're going to say, well, yeah, no, duh. No, duh. Our, our, our federal government is corrupt. You know, we are already a police state. And just, I've used the argument with friends that um, we're a softer version of the Soviet Union at its worst. And we are. We're a softer version of that. We don't literally make midnight raids, although given what I've experienced where I'm living, it may not necessarily come at midnight. They've already, like I said earlier, arrested two families. And they they didn't, I, I said in an earlier episode, when the federal government raids a quote-unquote radical or radicals' place of residence, they make a big show and uh, issue of it and make sure that the normies get the message that, oh, hey, if you buck the system, we're going to toss you in prison. But they didn't do that in my area. They put it in page 3C of the local paper, in a very, very small column. And um, I was talking to a guy, or not talking, um, 
I messaged a guy on Twitter and I, I told him about this and he's, he's pretty on point and he t- pays attention. to so He hadn't even heard of it. And what I told him was, well, yeah, nobody would, I wouldn't have even known about it. But in the job I was at at the time, they got the local paper. And I was flipping through it because I was bored. And uh, I happened to see the story that they had put out. So for you seculars out there, I'm just warning you against this mass apprehension that you're into. Totalitarianism is not happy until it has everyone under its sway. And because totalitarianism, they don't want just your grudging awe, your grudging assent, Anybody who's read the novel 1984 will tell you that the hero of that book or the uh, protagonist, when he finally gets arrested by the secret police, the secret policeman that's torturing him tells him, he says, no, we just don't want your grudging consent. We want your heart and your mind as well. We, when we tell you two plus two equals five, we don't want you to say it grudgingly. We want you to actually believe it, that two plus two equals five. And there's a delusion going around amongst people who consider themselves right-wing. Well, it can never happen here in America. It already has. The bottom line, it already has. They've murdered protesters. They're already rounding up people who come across their radar. It's not going to stop. We're literally heading into a downward spiral. And we have been for a minute. But right now, they're ramping it up and they're not going to stop. So my advice to you is get out of the political system. Your vote does not count. Never has, never will. I'm begging you, those of you with ears to hear, to listen to this and take it, at least give it a consideration. And start preparing because this is not going to end well and a lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to die. Start preparing for the mass roundups, for the mass arrests. Now, a lot of people are going to argue, well, that hasn't happened yet. You just said yourself it was a couple families. To those of you who are historically literate are going to know, it starts with an individual here, an individual there. And then it invariably ends up with For those of you who are historically minded are going to hear about the Holodomor in Stalinist Russia or the Soviet Union back in the 30s. The Holodomor was the mass slaughter of Ukrainians who, when the communist government said, 
you're going to give us a certain, you're going to give us every portion of your farm produce because at that time, the Ukraine was the breadbasket of the Soviet Union and the local farmers were told uh, Stalin at that time, no, go pound Sam, we ain't doing it. They sent their goombas into Ukraine and depending on which source you listen to, 20 to 40 million Ukrainians ended up getting slaughtered. So please, take this warning for what it's worth. We are heading into those times. A lot of people are going to argue, well, Joe Biden is, he's no Stalin, which is true, he isn't. But as I used to argue it on Twitter back in 2020, he's merely the sock puppet for interested parties. Our government is literally controlled by interested parties and the people that you think are actual politicians are no more than spokespeople for the interested parties. The the interested parties tell their spokespeople what they are to say and they get no say um, as to, well, no, I don't agree with that. They are literally paid and kept in power by interested parties to say what they're told to say. And that's as much as I can say for the seculars out there. Now for the second part, which is aimed at my co-religionists. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm set of a contest. We are pre-Vatican II Catholics. Um... This is aimed directly at you, said of a contest. This is literally a response video given to a popular set of a contest uh, YouTube channel. Um, on YouTube, oh, I said YouTube. On um, this is this is aimed a uh, responsible video aimed at this particular podcast channel. Now. I have a pretty good idea that the the material that I put out is not um is not getting out. So I doubt very seriously any of the set of contests that I'm trying to reach are even aware of my existence. But once again, I do believe in divine providence. I do believe that the message I'm being given is literally coming from our Blessed Mother and our Lord. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out there anyway. If it gets out, it gets out. If it doesn't, it's God's will. This particular YouTuber put out a video yesterday. The only reason I didn't put out my cringe response video, or not video, but audio, was because I got tied up on some stupid crap yesterday and I didn't get around to doing a response video yesterday. Obviously, today is a... um. Obviously, it's a day late and a dollar short. As the kids would say, it is what it is. I'm going to go ahead and put this out anyway. 
and hope and pray, and I'm literally hoping praying that our Lord and our Blessed Mother not only sees fit that this message, this particular message, gets out, but in particular that it's edifying. And as I said, I find, I find that response videos are so 2017, or audios in my case, but this needs to get out. To this particular set of contest YouTuber, I find his material to be hit and miss. I've mentioned this in a previous video. Some of it is edifying and very, uh, very uh, to the point uh, necessary. But some of his material is literal cringe normie BS. And by the way, I'm not mentioning this particular YouTuber's uh, name out of charity. And it is literal charity. I'm, I'm not one for internet drama. I'm not one for stirring the pot. And a lot of the cringe stuff that this particular YouTuber puts out, um, I do not comment. I leave it uncommented in the sense that um, it's, it's literal cringe. It's literal normie cringe. Now, I do know I use the term BS, but to me, anything that is normie normie, or what I consider to be normie, I consider BS. And when I say normie, to me, a normie is a person who should know better, but is running around acting like the times we live in, there's no danger here, that we're, we're still living in quote-unquote normal times, and that, um, you know, we can go about our day-to-day -day existence in America or wherever you're at and that there's nothing, nothing to worry about. Nothing to see as the, the meme goes, nothing to see here, move along, nothing to see here, move along. But in this particular instance, I'm going to call out this video in question because number one, this person should know better as a set of a contest. Number two, um, if you're, if you're putting out normie BS and it's harmless, well, then I'm, you know, okay, fine. Um, I'm not going to, you know, out of the sake of charity toward the individual, I'm not going to, like I said, stir the pot, um, you know, internet drama. That's not what my podcast is about. And it literally isn't. My podcast is about waking people up and getting you to... Prepare yourself for the upcoming times ahead. You take it for what it's worth. But the particular YouTuber in con uh, question put out a video, as I said earlier, about, well, your vote counts. Your vote counts. Um, I've already covered the normies. This is going to be directed at my co-religion issue. Number one, we are pre-Vatican II Catholics. 
I had pounded on this particular podcast channel the dangers of Freemasonry. Now, it and it's 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 funny too because of all people, Bishop Sanborn has just put out a video himself of saying how even ignorant people who are supporting the Vatican II sect are in danger of going to hell. Because, as I've stated myself, ignorance is no excuse. But instead of a contest, if if you're ignorant of the dangers of Freemasonry, when you shouldn't be because it's a pre-Vatican II, not only is it a pre-Vatican II teaching, Pope Leo XIII himself gave an encyclical warning of the dangers of the Masonic movement and also said that membership or dealings with a Masonic institution or government is grounds for excommunication if you consider yourself a true Catholic. Okay? So... Anybody, or I'm sorry, any set of a contest who, who is worth their salt should know that the foundings of our government, the American governmental system, and for that matter, by extension, the European political system, because when Pope Leo XIII wrote his encyclical, he was mainly referring to um, European masonry. And some people might make the lame excuse, well, he's talking about European governments. Obviously, they're Masonic, but not the American government. No, 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 no. We're, we're pure as the wind-driven snow. Uh, as Judge Judy used to say, hogwash. That is complete and utter hogwash. It is an open secret in America. And as I said, I've covered this ad nauseum. It, George Washington... Um, Benjamin Franken, I've listed the handful of some of the American founders are Masonic. They are literally Masonic. Now, I'm going to try as briefly as I can because I tend to get verbose um, where I'm going with this. Yesterday, when I heard uh, when I saw, uh, by the way, uh, I was talking with somebody and they're like, well, you don't know the context of what they're talking about. I told that person, I said, look, it doesn't matter the context. The advice they're giving is literally dangerous. It's um, As I covered with the... Uh, with the seculars, it doesn't matter if they're talking on a local level or if they're talking on a federal level. It, no matter what the context they're talking about, local or federal or state, it does not matter. And so while I was looking for the thumbnail, because America is a free Masonic government, I was looking for... A, a Masonic thumbnail that I could use 
to give people a flavor of what this episode is going to be about, I ran into dozens of quotes from American presidents, and I'm not even talking about George Washington to use a blatant example. By the way, his thumbnail is going to be in the quote. I ran into Theodore Roosevelt, William Taft. And in my previous episodes, I had said that I wasn't sure if Thomas Jefferson was a Mason. I knew that he was um, fully modernist or Enlightenment era, you know, type of uh, president. But I I had come across no solid evidence. Well, God's divine providence, one of his quotes came up under Masonic quotes. And if you look carefully at the thumbnail, you will see at the top of it, MasonicQuotes.com. Now, I'm going to be honest enough to admit that I'm not sure if the Masons themselves run that website or if it's an anti-Masonic website that's running it. Excuse me. It doesn't matter. For the sake of this discussion, it does not matter. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I know that's gross. These are literal Masonic quotes. Now, if you, and for my longtime listeners, this is going to be old hat. I apologize. However, given the normie cringe that came out of that um, podcast yesterday, I'm going to have to cover some stuff that I've covered already ad nauseum, especially on my first podcast channel, St. Longinus' Baptism. I strongly suggest if you want to get a better flavor, a more detailed flavor of what I'm talking about, listening to some of those episodes. Having said that, if the basis of our government is actually Masonic principles, and they are, because when I came across these quotes, I had literally typed into the search engine Masonic principles. Um, this, this, the American system of government, and by extension, most systems of government, are in one way or another, to one degree or another, based on Masonic principles. What do I mean by this? I mean equality of a religion, which is obvious, um, obviously anti-traditional Catholic, but it also talks about freedom of speech, freedom of the press. And as I mentioned previously, just read the First Amendment of the United States Constitution if you're set of a contest, and you will realize if you compare those principles compared with the principles that are outlined in 
Freemasonry on Nast, written by Monsignor George Dillon, an Irish Monsignor of the traditional Catholic Church, which, by the way, is not recent book. It's a book written in the 1870s, was the copyright that I saw in my particular version. And the sources generally agree it was written around the 1870s. I'm going to get into the theological minutia, and that's what it is, minutia of why what this, what this well-meaning individual did is dangerous. Number one, we are not to cooperate, i.e. through Pope Leo XIII's encyclical against Freemasonry with the Freemasons. If you're voting in a Freemasonic election, going back to what I mentioned earlier, several of our presidents have all, uh, all already quoted as Freemasons. Or at best, if you're wanting to still hang on to your normie, um, normie uh, idealism and claim that, well, they may not actually be Freemasons. They, you know, blah, 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 blah. Whatever your reason is, it doesn't matter if they're actual Freemasons. If they're quoting Freemason principles... We as traditional Catholics, and once again, I go back to the point I made way earlier, we're to have nothing to do with that. So if you're encouraging people to vote in Freemasonic elections, you're wrong. You're wrong. You may be well-meaning, well-intentioned. If you're free, if you're a set of a contest, you should know already your intentions do not matter. They don't matter. You will be judged on that when you go for your judgment. So even if they're not out-and-out Masons, they're spouting Freemasonic principles. And since the government itself is based on Freemasonic principles, it stands to reason that later presidents would quote Freemasonic principles if the basis of the country is based on those. Number two, um, number two, and this just goes back to what Bishop Sanborn calls, um, common reason. If our federal government on a federal level is Freemasonic, I just want you you people living under your, and I'm, when I say you people, I'm talking about set of contests. If you are living under the normie delusion that, well, yeah, that's the federal level. It wouldn't be down on this, on the, uh, on the, uh, local level, you know, a city or a county or a state, just from my own knowledge and when I say knowledge, I'm talking about not just knowledge, but experience. This, the blue state that I was living in, when I was in seventh grade, we were forced to study our state's constitution. It was a requirement in that state that you had to know the state's constitution before you could graduate to the eighth grade. 
Our state constitution. Now, at the time when I was studying this, I did not realize because I wasn't interested in politics. I was in seventh grade. Why would I? And by the way, these these young types who get into politics at like 13 and 14, I consider them cringe. When you're 13 and 14, the last thing you should be interested in is politics, but for the sake of charity to each their own. But it stands to reason, oh, let me backtrack a hair. Um, I realized later that the state's constitution was actually based on the federal constitution. Now, you don't need to be a Mensa member to figure out, well, if that particular state's state constitution is based on the federal constitution, that it's Masonic in nature i.e. from the state, comes down to a local level. So I want you to, if you're still hanging on to your normally delusions that somehow on a local level, this does not apply somehow to, to cities, counties, and what have you, I strongly beg and beseech you, get out of the, your normie mindset. If it's on, if uh, what flows from a federal level is going to trickle down, to a state level, and and from a state level on down. Um, and this particular podcaster is an American. As an American, I can recognize a fellow American when I see them, or hear them, I should say. So, as an American said of a contest, to advise your said of a contest audience who I suspect are filled with the same kind of normies that this person is to vote in a Masonic system and by extension, you know, and this, I can't stress this enough. You can make the lame excuse. Well, oh, I don't literally support Masonry. Oh, I'm just advising people to vote. If the Masonic I'm sorry, if the elections are based on Masonic principles, indirectly, you are advising your audience to get involved in Masonic organizations and principles. And as said of a contest, you should already know that about the concepts of, oh, oh, hold on a minute. I want to make sure I get this. Um, there, there's the concept of a material heretic, and then there's the concept of the, there's, there's a second one. In the concepts of heresy, one is blatant in your face, and the other one is a lesser degree of a heresy in the sense that while you may not be a literal heretic in the sense that you're literally rejecting God's law. However, on the lesser degree, out of ignorance or sloth, you are indirectly supporting the heresy. Once again, the concept is ignorance is no excuse. As a set of contest, you should know better. And as I've stated ad nauseum throughout this podcast, Using the excuse, 
well, I'm a, I'm a uh, husband or a wife with kids, multiple kids. I don't have time to inform myself. That is also, that is also um, a, 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 an, an excuse for sloth. Using your family as an excuse for um, your erroneous statements. And once again, my baseline assumption is not that this particular podcaster, because I have listened to some of his material, and having said that, in case I haven't made it clear, the stuff I consider cringe, I ignore off the bat. The stuff I think is uh, relevant and uh, useful, I do listen to. But um, to use the fact that you're a family person as an excuse, that's not going to fly. Now, because human beings are who they are, I'm sure I'm going to get some listeners who are going to say, well, it sounds like you're a single guy with all the time in the world in your hands. Uh, that's a little judgmental and a little harsh. Um, this goes back to what I've talked to previously. We have said of a contest, I've said ad nauseum, it's time to get busy and it's time to get serious. Um, being a true Catholic is not a right, it's a duty. As a, you know, in, an, in addition to being married, um, in addition to your duties as a parent, you also have duties as a set of a contest. And using the excuse, well, I've got a family, is no excuse. Because when you give cringe, literal, um, bad advice that are going to send people to hell if they listen to it, unless you repent, of course, because we are Catholic, you're sending people, whether you intend to or not, to hell. And I want to make this absolutely clear. I am not accusing this particular podcaster of being of ill intent. I am trying to do my duty as a Catholic and be charitable. When I first saw the video come across my notifications, my understanding, or I'm sorry, my initial premise was he was doing it out of ignorance out of ignorance, and basically, I kind of think he's a normie. And when I say normie, it's not a term of contempt. And I want to get that, make that absolutely crystal clear. It's not a term of contempt. It's the only word I can think of to somebody who wants to cling to the delusion that somehow we're not living in dangerous times and that drastic measures need to be taken, not just in our own private lives, but also within the context of set of a contism. So this is not a term of contempt. The, the person in particular, they're intelligent, they're very articulate, and outside of some of the cringe that gets, the normie cringe that gets put out, is well-intentioned and well-meaning. It's just bad advice in my mind. But it is not 
derisive and it is not contemptuous. The guy, articulate, uh, as far as articulacy goes, makes me look like a stumbling, bumbling fool. But, and that's another thing too, if the person in question has been given the gift of articulation, he, he owes it to his listeners to especially say the truth. Oh, and by the way, he's, he, uh, I'm sorry, that person is also very um, charismatic. Now, I've been told back in high school that I have the charisma of a rabid pit bull, which is true. I do have the charisma of a rabid pit bull. But the get, we, we are directly responsible for what we do with the gifts that God have, has given us. And if you're set of a contest, you should already know this. And my question is, if you're set of a contest in anything that I've stated within the past 20 minutes, if you're unaware of my question, and it's an honest question, would be, why aren't you aware of this? Because as a set of a contest, you have a duty to be aware of these things. But, um, and by the way, for those of you outside of the United States, and I'm talking set of contest, it just doesn't apply to American set of contest. It applies to you too. The European Union in and of itself and the, the, the countries of Europe before they formed the European Union were basically um, Masonically oriented. But now under the present iteration of the European Union, it is more Masonic and more in your face now more than, say, 90 years ago or 80 years ago. And for that matter, you can go back, once again, Monsignor George Dillon wrote his book in the 1870s. Between the 1700s to the 1900s, the Masons were doing their damnedest to turn Europe into a Masonic stronghold. They'd already done it in America and Mexico, and to a lesser degree, Canada, back in the 1700s. But that's why he wrote his book in the 1870s. So, I'm not doing this episode as a slam, as opposed to the cringe response videos of the 2017s, you know, where a person was slamming another podcaster for their own, you know, selfish purposes or glorifications. This is not a slam. This is a warning. This is a literal warning to you all if you're set of a contest. Get out of your normie delusions. Get out of them now while you still can. Because if you're if you happen to die, and when I say die, I'm talking of natural causes, not necessarily getting, you know, killed in a mass slaughter. If you die in those delusions, you're going to have to answer for them. And I can't stress this enough. 
given my own knowledge of totalitarian history, if you get put into a death camp, you'll have time to repent of that particular illusion that you are living under. However, given my knowledge of the history of totalitarian regimes, I can't help but tell you, if you're in a death camp, I'm sure a lot of Americans have heard the old cliche, marry in haste, repent in leisure. It doesn't necessarily even apply to marriage. It also applies to delusions. If you're sitting in a death camp, either starving to death or starving and getting yourself worked to death, worked to death, or getting tortured to death, that would be a heck of a way to repent in leisure. So, I've already enumerated why I did this episode. I hope and pray, number one, and I literally hope and pray, that this episode... um is doing God's will. And the only way I'm going to find out is if I'm given enough time to see the end result. If I'm not, if I don't get that prayer, well, that's fine. It's God's will. Um, I also hope and pray that it, it is beneficial to anyone who should listen to it. But I feel it is my duty as a honest and sincere set of accountants to get this message out. It is literally my hope and prayer. So thank you for giving me an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. I thank you for your patience. I really do. To my long-term listeners, they're going to know that I've been, pardon the expression, been piss-pounding this message ad nauseum for over a year. Which, by the way, just as a quick programming note, yesterday was my year anniversary of doing both of my podcast channels. Not for my own glorification, just... As a matter of interest, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I pray for everyone, and I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. If that were not the case, I would not be doing what I'm doing, in case I haven't made that already crystal clear. So, thank you for listening. A sincere and well-meant God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.